Hello and welcome to a special edition of Soccer to the Max. As it has finally happened, the fifth time of asking, a Major League Soccer team has won the CONCACAF Champions League in its current format. I mean, they were the favorites. They were the expected team to win, but they still had to play the game. And with all of the other historic letdowns that were there and have happened, you still couldn't believe it until that whistle blew at the end. It's finally here, Eric. Seattle, champions of CONCACAF, Los Reyes de CONCACAF, going to that Club World Cup finally. It's not neither one of our teams, but still, no. it's it's a cool moment. To me, it's actually incredibly fitting that it's Seattle, and especially the way that it happened, not just what turned out to be a rather unexpected 3-0 win tonight, right. but last week, skin of their teeth in the rain in Mexico City, ninth minute of stoppage time to get that penalty to level a 2-2, I mean, we had talked about it. It was like, hey, this is the moment. The Sounders were the team of destiny, and they finally fulfill that tonight. Yeah, we will also be talking about what seems like another team of destiny in the UEFA Champions League uh, that we will also cover here since the final is set. Uh, So we're going to talk about both Champions Leagues, and there's some other little tidbits of news uh, to discuss as well. Um, before we get to that, should note that our first Know Your Teams is out, and you can go watch it if you desire. We, we covered the Islamic Republic of Iran, and mm-hmm. I apologize for saying that incorrectly uh, the, the entire time that we did mm-hmm. that show. Um, thankfully, our cool people in the comments were able to just you know correct us and let us know, and I did say that we would uh, offer that correction. Um, so... That being said, just so you know what we're doing, on Saturday we're going to cover our next team in the Nugger teams, which is Ghana, and then we will kind of be going through a a lot of these. Um, So Saturdays will be the the World Cup version of Nugger teams, and then Wednesdays will be the CONCACAFW version of Nugger teams as we keep going towards that tournament that's on uh, Independence Day, July 4th is when that starts. So we're trying to get through all the teams and until we get to that. And, of course, as, as we continue on closer to the World Cup, and then that's what we're talking about here today. And for Major League Soccer, what a big moment that is. And also, what a big moment for a lot of these players, I mean, that have made this move to uh, Seattle and and been here, uh, Nicholas Odero, what a what a cool thing for him to be the one that scores the the game the the goal that finally kind of puts it away, right? The, mm-hmm. the three nil, and after all he's done for Seattle, to what a moment that that's your hero does it there. Exactly. In front of a record crowd of nearly 70,000. And he's like, I don't care about the yellow card. It's sealed. I'm taking off my shirt. I'm celebrating with the fans. That is a moment to take off your shirt right there. You know you're going to win. Yeah. (laughs) You know you're going to win the championship at that point. Um, Like you said, 68,000 strong. The highest attended 
uh, CONCACAF Champions League game uh, ever, or, and uh, beating the Herediano and Club America semifinal from many years ago. Like, going through that and just looking at Real Salt Lake, failure. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Toronto FC, Montreal, uh, failing as well. I mean, and 2-2, you know, like you, like we said, Seattle really had to struggle with penalties mm-hmm. to get to that. Um, it wasn't easy at all. It wasn't something that, like, you weren't, we weren't expecting this. And honestly, from being able, I mean, you, you got to see a lot more of the game than I did. I'm having to watch it while also working at the same time. Not the easiest thing to do, but Quite honestly, I mean, Stefan Fry made some uh, two terrific saves. I got to point that out uh, to to keep them in the game. But Seattle really took it to Pumas, and they were the better side all throughout this. But they really were. And getting that goal fairly early on, that was the absolute dream. Because even in Mexico City, Pumas... They had to go ahead and they were always more comfortable with the possession and everything for the league. You saw when Puma spent most of tonight having to chase the game, Seattle clamping down on the wings, just not even worrying so much about absorbing a lot of pressure, waiting for the counter. They just picked it and go. They set up great attacks. And yes, Stefan Fry. He really wasn't even needed that much until his clutch save where he was shuffling his feet and parrying the ball in the 65th minute. That's when you really knew, okay, Seattle has really got this. And then not long after scoring that second goal, you saw Pumas was, they had no answers. They weren't deflated, but they were just scrambling at that point. Yeah, I mean, and... I think credit also to Seattle to lose your uh, one of your extremely key players in Ja and Ja and Ja Pedro to have him go down in the 30th minute. Within 30th minutes, you use your left back Nuno, right, and then you lose Pedro, and it's like that's a core of your team out right there. I, a youngster has to come in in his spot. Uh, Kellen Rowe has to come in. To their credit, that entire team just brought it together. I mean, we saw Christian Rodan go back and make some some key stops. Rusnak was everywhere. That dude was just absolutely uh, bombing. Uh, Jordan Morris had some big moments as well. But obviously, Reed Diaz, he called it the biggest game of his life, the biggest game of his career, and the dude designated player and all with all the pressure comes in, yeah, you can call it a a lucky deflection on that first goal to get by Talavera all you want, you know, and it is, it is. But that's the game sometimes, right? Talavera's going one way, the deflection makes it to where it goes straight down the center, he can't get to it, there's your first goal. And, you know, it's not like Pumas didn't have some opportunities. Uh, Dinero missed one where he just, he skied it over and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Steph again, Stefan Fry with that one where he's like going this way, comes back and just swats it with his hand up in the air like that. I mean, just uh, like he he literally kind of at the last minute just goes like that, and it's just like wow, you know what a what a huge 
moment for him. And not only that, I mean, it helps him win not only goalkeeper of the tournament, but he wins the MVP as well, which is uh, what a fantastic thing for him. Uh, Dinero still still gets to win, you know, uh, go, the golden boot. But, I mean, obviously it's a very sour taste when you're not the actual ultimate winner at the end. Obviously, Eric, this is a huge thing for Major League Soccer to finally have this moment and say, look, it's not all about Mexico. And even then, you know, as I mentioned, two of the teams that are runners up here, Toronto, Montreal, they're Canadian. Mm-hmm. So as much as you want to say that it's Major League Soccer and there's still Major League Soccer teams, yes, it would have been just as important if they won for the league. But I think, you know, maybe it's not as special because it, it's not that same rivalry yet of Canada yeah. months ago. It's still part of that rivalry. It's the League's Cup as well. You know, that's getting restructured. You're going to play all the teams and everything. Like, to be able to say, oh, finally. That ability to, to say the U.S. has a uh, representative. And you would even mention, because when they decided to, you could say all but scrap it, trim it down for the League's Cup showcase for this year, and have next year the full League's Cup, what did they do? Two key stalwart American MLS franchises, including LAFC. So that's really the heart of it. While you have had a lot of great Canadian the bread and butter is it's a U.S. league. And for the U.S. to be represented now on the world stage with a club team in Seattle, this is really going to be a boon for the league as a whole. Right. And, I mean, if you I, – I think we talked about this at uh, one point. You look at – the. it's not just the way that it, – it's not just, okay, Seattle won. Right. Right. It's It's the way that they won. They really went through this entire competition. They scored goals. They did not just sneak out wins here and there. It's something to be said. Again, 4-2 on aggregate, 5-2 on aggregate. You go in as well, 4-1. I mean, it's, look, uh, you know, they they, 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 they go in Motagua, 5-0. I mean, Seattle really prove that name of the gold standard because they were a gold standard throughout this entire competition. Yeah, they they were never a team that really left any doubt. It's like, oh, but they can't score. Oh, but it's high-scoring aggregate. Or, oh, they're a way forward to defend. There was a reason why even for the final, they got to host the second leg. They were long-standing favorites, and they were the better team through the course of the tournament. And especially tonight, that's where they really proved it. They did what they had to do, and it's like, all right, we left it in our house for it all to play for where we know we can get the job done. There they were. And a casual, on aggregate, it's 5-2, but it's so much more than that. No, and I mean, just what it means to that city and the everything i just like you could you could i mean they talk about the 12th man all the time in seattle but it really felt like you could i'm I'm just watching it on a phone and you can you can feel that just intensity there that nobody leaves everybody's there to watch them have that moment of uh lifting the trophy and 
getting the medals and everything. Yes, yeah. uh, I saw that ceremony. First thing I thought, my my man, it's gonna be a party in Seattle today. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's gonna be a huge, uh, huge party, and um, you can see the smile on Don Garber's face as well uh, <laughs> during that, uh, like how excited he was to be giving all these these trophies away and knowing that you know Seattle finally had the moment. I mean, so. Obviously, this gives strength to these major league soccer sides that say, "Ah, uh, you know what? I'm not gonna win it anyway. Why am I gonna go and put up my biggest, my best team throughout?" I think this perhaps. Do you feel like that? That it gives more teams that qualify for the major league soccer side to say, "You know what? This is worth it. We can win." We should give more attention to this. Do you think you'll see MLS sides give more attention to this instead of just the one big side? Absolutely. And I think especially now next year when you have the full Leagues Cup on top of this, the Mexican mystique has finally been lifted. And a lot of your other clubs, you know, Atlanta, New England, NYCS, really those establishing themselves as top dogs will be like, okay. If Seattle could do it, so can we. And we're on our best year in form. We'll manage in the league if we have to. But if we put our best 11, we can beat a best 11 of these other sides. Let's get after it. Yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, we can we can say, obviously, CONCACAF kind of makes it this way many times. Of Oh, it's always U.S. Mexico. It's always, well... I mean, those are the two club leagues, mm-hmm. uh, if you think about it. And and you look at you look at South America and the way that many of those leagues have have kind of deteriorated, except for Brazil, because of Major League Soccer pulling out much of the talent from the Colum- yeah. you know, Colombian leagues, Argentinian leagues. Uh, so they haven't been able to reproduce uh, those players, and to, then you bring that up to your teams and. Obviously, you're spreading it through to 30 te- what we expect to be 30 teams at some point uh, with with the Las Vegas, you know, skill odd. And then, you know, you had the Mexican teams that they already have that pipeline of Mexican talent that just comes in. They they're still kind of figuring out what is the best decision for them of do we export to Europe or do we try to keep those Mexican stars in Mexico. So it is that like two different kinds of uh, mindsets clashing, right? Between the Mexican league and the the MLS. And you get to prove which is better when you get to that Leeds Cup, which makes it interesting. Yeah, because if you're looking at it and what Liga MX is doing as a whole with re-scrapping promotion relegation, renaming the Ascenso, it's like, okay, how are we going to use this to benefit? And now they get a whole year to say, okay, how can we use our current structure to reclaim our throne best clubs in the region? And that's really going to be an interesting race. So I, for one, am not only just excited to see what Seattle is going to do later on in the Club World Cup, I'm really itching now towards August and saying, okay, everyone's in the pot how is what going to work right how are the teams going to structure this now especially major league soccer like 
are you going to give teens more money, more cat space to be able to reach into those pockets and, and get more players and have deeper squads? I mean, how are we going to be able to do this? Then not only that, but you have, you know, open cup, you have, you have whoever makes it the champions league. That's, that's a lot of different competitions. Now major league soccer is going to have to change a little bit about, the way they structure things and does that change eventually uh, more of that structure improving those rosters. So right. I think this is, this is huge for major league soccer on so many fronts. And again, like the more you see this, you can say the league's cup is contrived and Oh, it's only including Mexican teams, but until someone proves <clears throat> that, excuse me, that they are able to, very much like we saw with Canada and, and the World Cup qualifiers, right? Um, yes, Saprisa's had their moments in their previous Champions Cup and ha- some other teams have, but for the large majority, it has been Mexican teams destroying this competition with the one or two, you know, LA Galaxy, DC United back in the day. And then, you know, the, the four teams that we mentioned from MLS that have uh, gotten runners up in the past. It's this is a something that I think changes a lot of what you look at as far as saying, oh, well, the Mexican teams are going to win. Maybe not so much. And again, it gives life to those major league soccer teams to say we can compete. We can. And and the best thing that CONCACAF did, as much as I admonish the extra change to what will be the format in 2024, they say, hey. They're looking at this and see, remember, League's Cup winners and maybe runners-up and what have you still to be decided, they're going to be in CONCACAF Champions League too. So that sets up for all kinds of different extra rivalries, rematches, and this and that. And you see... Well, I mean, it should, right? As you see with other competitions, uh, when you have the the Europa the Europa League Europa Conference Copa Copa Sudamericana like mm-hmm. all that they all go into the the major one right they should right. so why not yeah absolutely so this is just gonna make things even better and I just I can already sense a lot of licking of chops after this one yeah certainly so I mean speaking of uh, licking their shots right now. Um, Liverpool are probably a l- really anxious after what they saw um, to you know yesterday. Uh, at this point, from who are going to be their competition in the Champions League final in Paris when that happens on May 28th. You know, uh, Liverpool are going for that quadruple, and they have finally kind of. Sp- stake their claim now you know they're in the final of the fa cup they already won the carabao cup now they know they're in the final of the champions league they got those games to go they got to see if manchester city um especially after what you know happened here are going to falter a little bit and perhaps they can still come you know make it a compete but should note that Villarreal went and made it a game uh, after the end of that first half at home uh, but then, you know, class shown through and uh, credit again to Klopp for every time I watch this squad, it's like 
how immense is Luis Diaz? Every time that dude comes on, mm-hmm. he makes a difference and he makes that team so much better. And that's with having, you know, and, and not only that, like I think it's made Sadio Mane better as well because Sadio Mane gets to go through the center and kind yeah. of just make that run through there. And Luis Diaz is there on the wings to help Salah. And they kind of woke up after that. Fabinho scores that that goal, and then they start rolling and and getting more. And Liverpool kind of tent, cruises towards that final in Paris. So any thoughts on on that game? I was a little bit surprised when I saw that two nil Villarreal halftime score. I even though right. I knew they were at home, Liverpool still managing these competitions. But I thought, all right. When are Liverpool really going to step up and fight? And as you mentioned, with Diaz, Mane being the finisher, it's like, okay, Klopp is like, I've got my center. Now I know what my front three is capable of. And he just said, go out and go do your thing. And that's exactly what they did. I think after they got that first goal, as you mentioned, Villarreal and everything that Unai Emery all had set up, it just... It seemed like it crumbled right then and there. One became two, became three, and it was just a moment of what could they do? The avalanche was already coming down. It couldn't have gone any better, honestly, for Villarreal. You get the goal early on that kind of sets the tone, makes Liverpool have to think about it a little bit. You know, again, incredibly, Villarreal, they did this the same thing against Bayern. Mm-hmm. Two shots on target, yep. two goals, right? Um, they concede possession, they concede all that to Liverpool. You go to halftime, you're you're again drawn on arrogant, but again, this is the difference between having the two goal cushion instead of the one goal cushion that you know their for you know their fellow uh, Premier League compatriots um, deal with and and backfired on them is Liverpool went and took care of business in the first leg. You know, they they made the best of their chances. They had some that they missed, obviously, but they were in control. And they kind of let that slip a little bit at home. I don't think it was anything about, like, Bayern perhaps, you know, taking them lightly. I think it was more about, I don't know if they expect the Villarreal to really kind of take it to them yeah. as much as they did. And that changed things. And Credit to Klopp for right at halftime. Okay, you know what? We're not even going to let this go any further. Luis Diaz coming on right now changed everything. Absolutely. It's like they anticipated, okay, we get to sit back and dictate things. Trying to dictate things, so let's go ahead and take it right to them on our terms. And the rest was history from there. Oh. Only if City could have done the same. Yeah, so the all-English final not happening uh, here as much as, you know, perhaps many people would have wanted. Uh, Real Madrid once again. I mean, we talk about sometimes history just falls in your favor when you are a team of this caliber, a team that just has that. I guess, La Magia, the magic of a competition like Real Madrid has 13 Champions Leagues, uh, Eric, and now they're getting to go fight for the, por la 14, for the 14th, <laughs> right? And 
<laughs> That's crazy to think. Once again, 80 minutes, they do absolutely nothing. Nothing. And then here we go. The last <laughs> two minutes of the game, what happens? Oh, Rodrigo pops up, gets a goal. Benzema with a beautiful freaking cross to save and, that ball that's about to go out. I mean, just, I'm yeah. sorry. Can we talk about the ageless wonder Kareem Benzema? What? What is I mean, he he's doing? he's not that old. He's only he's 34. I mean, like, come on. But, we talk about in soccer terms. We know we're getting up there at 34. But I mean, still. To perform like that in a Champions League semifinal, like he's done this entire competition, it's like, okay, what do we have to do? Because you get the ball with his foot in one moment, and it's total chaos if you're in defense. No, I mean, it's it is absolutely ridiculous what he's done this season. Like, talk about everybody was was wondering, okay. Uh, you know, obviously he was in the shadow of Ronaldo all those mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. um, everything else. I mean, can he really be the guy at 34 that you expect him to be? Well, talk about just absolutely blowing that out of the water um, with just it's not it's not just him scoring goals. It's. He's literally will do nothing for long stretches of games. And then he just comes up with that one moment, right? Where it's just like, there he is. That's why you have him have you expect all this out of him. But it's absolutely insane, Eric. I mean, he's played 41 matches and 40 one goals. I mean, what kind of a freaking record is that? Like, between La Liga and Champions League, 41 yep. matches, 41 goals. Yeah. I mean, and that's, a guy, that's insane. Because we always talk about, for your striker, your number nine, you expect him to be a one and two man, a goal every other match, a goal, a match. And to come up in extra time after uh, getting that foul, slotting that penalty like it's nothing, that wound up being the winner on aggregate, I can't explain it. I can't. Not, not to mention the Panenka in the first leg. That was <laughs> ridiculous, too. But, no, it's, it's to me, it's it's not just... Uh, it's not just Benzema. I mean, he obviously, no. again, played a big part in the first goal. And then the second goal, um, what a bit of magic again to flick off uh, one player. And then he happened to hit Rodrigo still right in the head while he's jumping. Uh, and then, of course, Benzema, again, getting the goal uh, off the penalty, which that's a penalty. There's there's no uh, doubt about that. Laporte just – or not Laporte, Diaz. Um, happens to go for the ball. I, I don't know why he's going for the ball there. Uh, Benzema's not going to do anything. He still has some moves to make at that moment, and he misses and hits Benzema. That's a goal. Um, er, that's and, and with Benzema's record at the penalty spot, I mean, even though he's missed a few, uh, you know that's going in. And even though they still had a lot of time left in extra time, it's just 
very much like the what happened with Chelsea. It was just it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't their moment, no. I think. And we talk about the goal scorers, but I think also you have to point out Hubert uh, Courtois was ridiculous on this game. I mean, uh, the save that he makes with his foot to barely put it out there, and he he changed the total trajectory of that um, that pass, and then the one he makes in what the ninety second minute or something that absolutely saves the game, uh, tremendous uh, there as well. Um, so. Uh, you know, I, we talk about teams of destiny. Real Madrid has been that uh, throughout this entire knockout round. I mean, PSG, you're down and you go and make that ridiculous comeback. You go and uh, Chelsea, you're up and then Chelsea takes it to you, puts you on the back foot. And once again, at the at the moment, that moment, they come up again and win. And then here, Man City, and I, I feel like this, I know they lost the, the uh, in the final and everything, and that that hurts. But th- I think this hurts just as much because you're up one mm-hmm. nil at the mm-hmm. Bernabeu with a great goal by Mares, uh beating Courtois at his post there, and then yeah, kind of you're not there in those key moments. You you no. don't. It and yeah. I don't know if it's just. The spotlight, as the clock keeps ticking, the spotlight gets a little too bright, a little too big. I And to me, and exclusively in the Champions League, because in the league and everywhere else, they're fine. It seems like Manchester City just has this aura, almost like this curse. No matter what happens, you get so close, so close to having your hand on the trophy or playing for the trophy. And then everything out of nowhere just falls apart. Because, I mean, even with Real and how they've been playing in the knockout stages, do you realistically expect them to score twice in the matter of a minute? Their odds at that point of the match, 45 to 1. 45 to 1. I mean, I mean, considering what's happened with Real Madrid this whole competition, nothing is out of their own possibility. It's it's. I mean, it's absolutely true. Yeah. We saw it today, but still, realistically, you'd think at some point you would have thought, all right, maybe Real's finally ran out of gas. Maybe the Yeah, you would have thought that, but but there, it's illogical what has been happening throughout this entire, um, this entire, like, knockout competition with them. And I think it helps a lot that you're also coming off the confidence of winning La Liga. You won La Liga handily. Right. And and also, like, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, you're talking about a manager that has won Champions Leagues um, already. This man has he's the only uh, manager to win what leagues in in all the big countries. Uh, European top five. He's got a trophy. So imagine that, like. That's incredible already. And then he's been using like the same 11 mostly for most of the season. And then even still, he seems to have that touch with the players of, okay, Kamavinga comes on. Uh, He hasn't played a whole lot. The same with, you know, people were, were sitting there thinking, oh, well, what are you doing playing? Uh, freaking Carvajal at this point. Oh, he just comes on. He plays well. Like Valverde 
he's not the guy you would necessarily think about starting there in that line of three. Oh, he he's just been doing great ever since you decide that you're going to put him there. Uh, so, you know, like Lucas Vasquez has been doing like nothing, nothing really uh, for most of the season. Or And then also Jesus Vallejo. And then he comes on and they both do well there in extra time. So I think it's just something about like Carlo Angelotti knows how to, he is an experienced manager and they, they just get things done. I think sometimes mm-hmm. Pep is, is great. He's a fantastic manager. He's won, you know, everywhere he goes. There's, there's not a whole lot to criticize him for, but it's, like you have to think about why is why is Man City not like putting everybody behind the ball and just hey. okay we know what you guys can do it doesn't matter that we've outplayed you for eighty five minutes we just still got five minutes at the Bernabeu something could happen like, exactly and I yeah I didn't understand that this has been really the one real normally it would be a small criticism. But it occurs at such the biggest possible moment. He's been a kind of manager who tends to tactically kind of outthink the room. More so in very big matches. And you can go ahead, have all kinds of diagrams, move around all kinds of magnets. But at the end of the day, even though it won't look pretty, if it's a common sense thing to do knowing the situation... That's exactly why you won before. Don't mm-hmm. worry about, oh, I've got this talent or this team, this money, this, this, and this here. No, it's just, this is not what we need to do. This is normally a winning strategy. You'll be forgiven as long as you win the big trophy. I think he's right. forgotten that. Well, it's not, I think it's that it's that, okay, it's nice to be pretty. Yeah. It's nice to play good football when you can yeah. do that. But sometimes you gotta be ugly. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta be dirty yeah. when when you need to make when you need to make sure that your team gets to that final again. Mm-hmm. Um and I, that wasn't the case here. I mean I, you can I think you can also blame uh the center backs here for not uh getting to those headers and everything else as well. Um I, at the end of the day, it's on the players, right? Oh, yeah. you know, Pep can't Pep can't uh, can't solve mistakes. Pep can't solve uh, uh, Diaz going for that, you know, tackle where he shouldn't have been. Uh, so, at the end of the day, it's unfortunate uh, for Manchester City, but in a way, I think as much as it would have been, I guess, cool and fitting to have another Manchester City Liverpool showdown uh two for two in finals right and the, the one semifinal for the fa cup and maybe liverpool has a big advantage because real madrid doesn't have a second leg to stand on <laughs> uh for this one it's a one-legged deal man i just can't count them out right now and neither you know? neither can i and i message you know harry broadhurst Fellow host on the network, avid Liverpool fan, I messaged him. Your road to that quadruple just got a lot harder. And I'm looking at this Real Madrid team, and it's like, 
You've got the FA Cup final coming up against Chelsea. You're meeting your second final because you beat them in the Carabao Cup. You know, you're a point behind City in the league with four to play. You know, they've got to drop points. Maybe they do that with this hangover, but he said it himself. It's stars versus stars on that pitch in Paris. And I'd be very unwise to go against Real Madrid right now. I really would. Yeah. And you do have uh, Benzema being French, getting to go to Paris. And mm-hmm. I imagine making the most of that there. <laughs> so, no, and it's it's definitely one that it's going to be catching the eye. I mean, as much as you want to say you won an all-English final, that really does knock out a lot of people from watching it. Mm-hmm. Because as much as the Premier League is the most popular league in the world, there's a lot of folks from fans of, say, Real Madrid, Barcelona, yeah. um, other, you know, PSG, other countries that, oh, well, okay, Manchester City were cool. Why do I want to watch this final? You know, even though it could right. be great, right? It, we've seen nothing between these, nothing between these two teams is dull. Nothing between Manchester City and Liverpool is ever dull. Um, you know, when you have Klopp and Pep going against each other, you know, in the mind, then the players go out, out there and performing on the field. But this is a different dynamic, I think, of getting to see Angelotti in the Real Madrid, this, this, you know, I've said a team of destiny against Liverpool that is coming in quadruple, could have the quadruple in hand, right? They could possibly have it all wrapped up and all they need is this one game. Yep. To figure to have that, and then what what happens? You know, does Real Madrid do their thing where they play that that bad game for eighty minutes, and then they do one of these, or does Liverpool actually just punch them in the mouth and keep going? And that's that's the thing that I think is different here. And and Angelotti is really going to have to. I don't think Real Madrid could play that game no. against Liverpool because Liverpool does not stop going. No. Um, you know, and they have the defenders to in to to go against them. And I think Klopp's a little bit having having the uh the privilege of being able to have seen what happened to all these teams, I think he won't commit that same mistake. I think he would if he needs to put everybody behind the ball to make sure he gets that victory, I think he's you'd see him do that. Absolutely. Klopp has never been a manager that has worried about, you know, kind of ugly grinding out those results. And if he's up 1-0, 2-1, 80th, 85th minute, it's like, okay, we'll wait. We'll go ahead and wait for the counters. We'll go ahead and be a little bit slower, a bit more tiki-taka. Maybe time waste a little bit more. It's like, Keep everything moving at that right right pace. Forcing Ancelotti to try to have some sort of move and the players on that pitch to answer and have that quick strike. So it's going to be a unique, different type of chess match come the 28th. Yeah, definitely. And I I mean, again, Liverpool are going to be favorites, going to be expected to win, whether they have that quadruple in hand or not. Uh, Considering the way Real Madrid has played in this tournament, where they get outplayed by the team, but they still come out victorious again they don't have that second leg to go back to the Bernabeu and get one it's a different different perspective so gonna be an interesting lead up to 
uh, the 28th and, and what is all there for Liverpool when we get to it. Uh, obviously, the first thing for them is in about a week or so, uh, that FA Cup final against the Chelsea team that still don't know who their owners are. And we will see uh, right now it is the Los Angeles Dollars uh, ownership and also the Swiss billionaire um, that are have the quote-unquote exclusive uh, limited time frame right now, but still a chance for somebody else. Uh, if Ma- if Magic Johnson and that consortium buy another team and has continued greatness, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it would yet again be another sort of American-led team, uh, ownership team in the Premier League. And uh, considering what we've already been seeing with uh, uh, the one that for the team that we support with a lot of protests against the Glazers, it's kind of a, you know, um, it, it goes well for Liverpool with the Fenway group. And then we can see the other side of it also uh, with Manchester United. So interesting how all of that is going to be shaking out. Supposedly they have until the end of May uh, when that trading license expires. And then I think they have to have it figured out by the 8th because that's when the, um, I think the money is supposed to go back into the teams from the right, the TV rights and all of that. And if they right. don't have it done by then, they can actually force Chelsea to, to not play next season um, or even get to the worst part of selling the team. I don't think we're going to get to that. Who knows what that means for Christian Pulisic. If you have a, an American owner, does that mean that you try to push for Pulisic to stay there or, uh, you know, the rumors already of uh, perhaps uh, Weston McKinney and Crystal Pulisic getting to become a dynamic duo over there at Juventus. So, of course, that's that's a long ways away yet. You know, we the silly season is coming, and I'm <laughs> sure there will be tons of rumors going around of who's going to go where and and all that stuff. But uh, before we get to everything else, we got to do we got a few little tidbits of uh, news to talk about. Um, unfortunately, I, again, I feel sorry for our dear friend, Rachel, that, um, is part Russian, half Russian, if I'm, uh, not mistaken. And she is having to see, and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. right. It's this is a casual the players. Yeah. It, the players and, and also the country that has nothing to do with what one man has decided to, to do. Right. Um, but it's all about putting that political pressure, that that political pressure on uh, on Putin and on Russia to maybe this will make them make a decision. But the women's Euros that is happening, you know, at, in the summer of this year uh, will not see Russia attempt to compete as they will not be able to play their qualifier games. They have been uh taken out of the competition. Uh, Portugal, actually, who they already defeated, will take their place uh, in their spot and get to go and and compete in those Euro qualifiers to see if they can make it to uh, the Women's Euros 2022 there. And also, Russia is going to get relegated from the uh, Nations League, you know, um, what's it, uh, the Group B or? Yeah, League League B. B. Yeah. Um, they can't compete in any of the, the Russian clubs cannot compete in the Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference. 
they can't even compete in the youth competition. That's how far this goes. I mean, like, and you... so it's not just the men, not just the the senior men. Mm-mm. It's the youth competitions and the women as well. I mean, talk about just hurting everyone in one blow. Yeah, and you figure the longer that this was going to go, the more organizations like UEFA in particular and FIFA were really going to act because number one, it would have been a terrible look for either of them. They had been able to, and number two, like you said, put that pressure. It's like, hey, you're not going to benefit from any of this revenue or this platform of a world stage to do what you're doing. Yep, no no bid for the Euros in 2028 and 2032 as well. And even though that's far away, I think that's, to me, that's even bigger, Mm -hmm. right? Because that goes direct to the Federation, direct to the country. You're hurting them where it really matters. Like, this brings in so much to that, to Russia, and you're going to tell them, no, 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 you don't, you don't even get the, a chance at that nope. uh, bid. So you get demoted to the third level of the Nations League. Um, you, you can't bid for the Euros. The women can't compete in the Euro 2022 that's happening. Uh, the men can, are, you know, banned from the World Cup as well. I mean, just... It's- this is a loss of hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Putting it out brass tax and all of those, and it's going to compound. I mean, compound. Ch- Chelsea's having to be sold because of this from, from Roman Abramovich. And not uh, to mention Abramovich can't, even though he said all the profits are going to go to Ukraine and what have you, even if he didn't, he wouldn't have been able to profit anything from the sale anyway. So that automatically two billion just to him. So money talks, and I feel that they're keeping with the trend as they should. At some point, you got to stop and think: How far am I really willing to go with this? UEFA is telling you, FIFA is going to tell you. Now it's up to you. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I mean. I hate it for those, again, the people of Russia that have nothing to do with this decision, that that have to see their sports teams be hurt. I mean, this could also affect Ukraine. We still don't know. The longer this goes, could they actually field a team to play against Scotland? May they have, could they have to forfeit that game and not even compete at the World Cup because of what is going on? I mean, they still have... Uh, about a month or so to to figure it out, but I can't see FIFA delaying this any further. It, they they, um, they were they would have run out of windows in essence. Yeah, exactly. So that's the one window you can do it in. I mean, I guess they could they could somehow do it in the September window, but that's really putting you know Wales at a disadvantage as well. So that is waiting in the wings there for whoever for either one of them. So that's something too. I mean, and it's also not fair to the other teams in their group, you could say, because they have less time to prepare and everything else. So I mean, but this is obviously extreme circumstances. (laughs) But I just I just can't see it happening. I it's either they're going to play it or they're not. 
And I'd hate to see that we don't even get to that point because of this terrible uh, situation that is going on um, in Ukraine right now. And um, it it sucks to see. Wow. It really does. So in, I guess you could say, happier news or lighter news, um, there is going to be a first ever soccer football match at Lambeau Field. At the frozen tundra, even though it may not be very frozen, it'll be very uh, it'll be, very grassy. It'll be the, the, the not quite, or we'll, we'll call it the temperate tundra, as it'll be about 65 degrees. Nice and temperate, you know? <laughs> yeah, you won't, I mean, you go from having Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers to a different kind of stars. <laughs> uh, Bayern Munich... And Manchester City uh, playing an exhibition match, you know, as they prepare for the next season. Uh, they're in the preseason, July 23rd. They're going to play at Lambeau Field. I mean, 65-year history of this incredible stadium that is legendary when it comes to the American football, now hosting the European football. Uh, do you think this is a... Uh, Will be such a uh, huge success that we're going to see more soccer games at the historic Lambeau Field now? I do, but there's a specific reason why. I think they picked the perfect teams, and especially since this is part of Bayern's Audi Tour, the fact that they go to Wisconsin, which you have a lot of like proud you know, German pockets in their population, I think that was an absolute brilliant choice. You're going to have your people coming in from Milwaukee, making the trip to Green Bay, going to have a lot of Bayern fans in that stadium. And I think if you really do have it, like I'm hyping it up, I think that'll open the door for a few more teams to be like, hey, maybe we should go ahead and try and playing here as well. Yeah, I mean... Who knows, Eric? Maybe it does so well that they have to put in for consideration to the you know, to be one of the stadiums, right, for the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, we right. look at '94. You had it at the Silverdome in Detroit. I, I mean, mean but that's a huge stadium. You know, I don't, I know it's uh, huge, but what I'm saying, as far as in context, there's some sort of precedent in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's nice in the summer, so it's something that could, you know, not a lot that you would have to do to really make massive changes, nothing permanent. So it couldn't hurt. It couldn't hurt. Yeah. Um, it's uh, <laughs> going to be cool, a cool moment and a cool thing uh, to talk about when it finally does happen. And again, like getting it um, – Sort of close to the season where maybe you will see some of those big stars play for both teams. Uh, that's a pretty sweet moment to happen. And unlike Lamb, unlike like Yankee Stadium or whatever, which looks terrible uh, for a soccer team, this one I, I think will look pretty awesome. Oh yeah, uh, you know. So, and I'm sorry, I should note since. Uh, I want to make sure I make this correction before we get off the air. Portugal is officially in the tournament. They're not having to qualify. Russia beat them in the playoff, and they are 
officially the 16th team now okay. uh, that's part of Euro 2022. Russia would have been in the tournament itself, but they are not able to because of this. Uh, so because they beat Portugal in the playoff, Portugal automatically, uh, it basically as if Portugal had beat Russia instead. Right, which usually so. when you have the like final playoff for a group stage spot, it's a logical choice. Yeah, certainly. And yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Can the Netherlands repeat again? Or will Denmark or Germany that has won uh, this thing so many times? Or, you know, Norway or even England who are hosting this tournament be able to make a big run? You know, and perhaps England finally gets that moment um, in, in the Women's World Cup. So be ready. I mean, they're going to have a huge spotlight because there's not going to be um, – a whole lot of soccer going on that's meaningful, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, because the World Cup is not in the summer, uh, the women's tournaments are really going to be what kind of fleshes out the the summer for everybody. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and so. it's going to be some great soccer as well. The women get their time to shine. Yeah, you know, we can say what you want about the Biennial World Cup, and everybody was saying, you know, oh, it's not great for the men's leagues. Well, it's not great necessarily for the women's leagues. And right now they do get the benefit of you get that that big summertime. So the the cool thing is, I mean, it's going to be going on at the same time as the CONCACAFW. So we're going to have to be kind of pulling a little bit of double duty here and there. Um, but at least... I think CONCACAFW ends right as their group stage is ending. So at least for the knockout tournaments, the knockout and part of the tournament, you, it'll be the only thing on. Thank goodness also for time zones. <laughs> that too. Thankfully for time zones um, as well. So uh, that being said, uh, we will be back again on Saturday uh, to talk about the next Know Your Teams, which again, as I said, is Ghana. Um, I don't know yet if we're going to do a show on Sunday or if we're just going to do a double show on Wednesday. We will be doing that first CONCAP W, um, which we're going to like flip between doing a team in group A and then a team in group B, uh, as we go all the way to get to that time in July. So, uh, the first team will be Haiti, uh, and then we'll be making our way until we get to the United States at the end. Um, and then, of course, we'll do a big preview of, you know, our thoughts on who we think will win and everything else. So until then, everyone, make sure you, uh, if you like what you watched, whether you watched on YouTube or you watched live on the Twitch or on Twitter or Facebook, you go follow us there, subscribe like however it is that you want to do that you can go if if you don't like watching us which i can understand you know maybe uh watching two people um (laughs) constantly is not the easiest thing you can you can also uh listen to us on in your car in on your on your bus ride to work on however it is that you prefer to listen to your podcast we are on anything that there is podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, 
Amazon, you name it, Overcast, we're there. So you can subscribe there and you'll get any time we do uh, a show, uh, just subscribe to the Soccer to the Max feed and you get it that way. Um, that being said, we are now part of American Whammy Media. So pretty soon you'll see us uh, rebrand from the WTM Network to American Whammy Media. And that'll that'll be a cool moment, hopefully happening within the next couple shows. We'll officially be able to unveil that. But for now, subscribe to that Soccer to the Max feed and you get everything we do here. And shout out to everybody else that does wonderful shows on, on the network, of course. Eric and the Life is Like a Game Show and uh, the Broadhurst and Watkins Sports Report and uh, Point of Viewer. So if you if you love seeing Eric's face, you see him plenty uh, here on, on the network. So um, until next time, see you later, everybody. Peace. Bye.